morning, Storyside. Are you glad to be in God's presence today? Jesus is alive. Thank God for Jesus. Uh, we're also wanting to welcome all those joining us online. We have had such an amazing turnout for our online family this weekend. It's been incredible from Friday night forward, the people that's been uh, joining us, not just regionally, but around the world, and uh, getting messages even in the last few minutes of my missionary friend, Paul Gadudu uh, in Africa, uh, as well as people, of course, across Canada, other nations, but just messaging that you've been watching today, you're online today, uh, people that just in the last few minutes got me messages down front, Lisa Ramey, uh, the Amstutz family is online, uh, the Jarvis's uh, Delee uh, message tweeted, but also joining us online, uh, Al Toby in Arizona, Kathleen Friend, Scott Blum, the list goes on. Storyside, would you welcome all those joining us online today? Let them know how great it is to have them today. Happy Easter, everybody. Uh, when I say Easter, of course, we think resurrection. We think Jesus is alive uh, you know, if, if we were to poll some people and ask them today, what does Easter mean to you? There are some people that would probably say chocolate, baskets, bunnies. Uh, there's nothing wrong with those things. Maybe you're thinking, Pastor Micah, don't talk about those Cadbury eggs. Like that, I like it too. Uh, but, but people, you know, some people, if I was to say, what does this date on the calendar mean to you? For some people, it's a long weekend. You know, it's a little bit of time off work. But for those that are Christ followers, for those of us that have put our faith in Jesus, it's so much more than a bunny or a basket or a little bit of time off work. This is the moment that changed everything. And thank God for Jesus, right? Thank God for Jesus. Uh, speaking of uh, what Easter means, I heard the joke. I heard the joke about the three football fans that go to heaven, they're standing before St. Peter, there's a Cleveland Browns fan, there's a Cincinnati Bengals fan, and there is a Pittsburgh Steelers <laughs> fan. And they stand before St. Peter, and St. Peter says, I have one question, my question, uh, if you can answer it correctly, you get to come into heaven. And so the question is, and he looks right into the eyes of the Cleveland Browns fan, he looks at him and he said, the question is, what is... Easter. What is Easter? The Cleveland Browns fan thinks about it for a moment and he said, well, it's that time of year when we get together and we eat turkey and dressing and potatoes and cranberry sauce and we watch football. St. Peter just shakes his head in disgust. He looks at the Bengals fan and he said, what is Easter? And the Bengals fan thinks about it for a moment and says, well, it's that time of year that this overweight, oversized guy dressed in a red costume, squeezes and shimmies down a chimney, brings lots of presents. St. Peter looks at him again in disgust and shakes his head at the Bengals fan, looks at the Pittsburgh Steelers fan and he asks him, what is Easter? And the Pittsburgh Steelers fan said, that's when Christ, that's when they put Christ in a tomb uh, and they rolled a stone in front of the tomb, and St. Peter was so excited, he looked at the Steelers fan and he said, that is exactly right. The Steelers fan continued and said, and then we roll the stone away, and he comes out, and if he sees his shadow, <laughs> the 
that's not funny. <laughs> but on a serious note, I think all of us, regardless of whether you like the chocolate or not, or what team you're cheering for, I think all of us are reminded in moments like this of what this time of year really, really means and how it has impacted all of our lives and how you and I received eternal life, eternal hope, eternal opportunity because Jesus Christ hung on a cross and died for our sins and resurrected out of that grave. So we celebrate that today. I want to talk to you in the next 20 or 30 minutes just on the subject, everyone, just that one word. Weeks back, I had, I had gone away for a couple of days, was trying to clear my head, find some quiet space in a quiet place, and, and to ask God, what, what did I feel that he wanted me to share in our time together this weekend? And I felt very strongly in a moment, just this one word, everyone, everyone. And I hope that I am able to share with you what I felt all by myself that day. And then again, the following day, I just for several hours was taking notes. This is a big Bible symbolic of my childhood. We used to have one of these big Bibles on our coffee table. Um, there's so much in this book about everyone. I'm, I'm just going to share a few of the stories in our time together, but I would love nothing more than for God's holy word and for his Holy Spirit to touch everyone in this room and to touch everyone online today, everyone. And so can we pray together and just ask God to, to help us to block out all distractions, to lean into this moment? How many knows that it doesn't take weeks or months? God can change your life in one day. The Bible says better is one day, one day. I believe this day could change your life forever. And so let's pray together today. God, I thank you so much for putting this word, putting this word in my heart. I thank you for bringing everyone together today on site and online. I'm asking that you would help me to speak your words. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit right now. Help me to say what you would want me to say. I pray that you would help these people today. You, you said that the word only profits it, it, it is only going to be taken advantage of if it's mixed with people's faith. So I pray that as I share your word, that there will be people that will really lean in right now. They're going to let their heart connect with your holy scripture. And I promise you today, I promise I will give you all the glory. Change someone's life today. Let today be somebody's one day. It could change their future forever. And I thank you in advance for it. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. There's no name like the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. amen. Can we say that word one more time together, everyone? Can we say it one more time? Everyone. By definition, the word everyone means everybody, everybody, or every one. When we think about Easter and the cross, Easter is a reminder that God always has the last word. God always has the last word. I was reading just even this week again of a story. It was a series that the History Channel did with the Hatfield and McCoy feud. And there was a lot of dynamics and details in the story of the Hatfield and McCoy feud. You know, their differences, violence. Uh, threats, deaths, they believe there's about 15 deaths that were directly connected or tied in with that feud, maybe more that were never uh, fully uh, proved. But they, one part of the story in the midst of all of that chaos and craziness is the fact that at 71 years old, Hatfield 
uh, attended a church service and gave his life to Christ and was baptized. And his family talked about the last 10 years, the last 10 years of Hatfield's life. He lived in peace knowing that he was forgiven. He was forgiven. And when I read that story just the other day, I was reminded again that it's not how you start. It's not how you start. We're all born in sin. It's not how we start. It's how we finish. When you think about everyone and you look at this amazing book that is the best-selling book of all time, we call it the Bible, when you look at everyone in Scripture, there are so many references to everyone. I want to read just a couple of them to you. Romans chapter 3 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for, here's the word, everyone. It's true for everyone who believes no matter who we are. Verse number 23 says, For everyone has sinned. Everyone. The psalmist would tell us that we're born in sin. We're born in sin. Romans would tell us again all is sin. Acts chapter 2, verse 21 says, And everyone, 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 everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. My final verse is Romans 1.16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. That's what we're celebrating this week, the gospel. These services, Friday, Saturday, now today, Sunday, we celebrate the good news of Jesus. The writer said, I'm not ashamed of the good news. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone, everyone who believes. When you talk about everyone, I started weeks back trying to come up with some everyone stories. Who are some everyone kind of people, this everybody, everyone? And so I started writing down just some stories. I'm researching, I'm flipping pages. And I think I, I was trying to condense it because I knew multiple services and kids check in and you're trying to park and get in and out. And so I thought I just need to pick a few stories that I wanted to share with you. And when I counted up my stories, I think it was 27, I had 27 stories and I'm like, that's too many stories. You guys are probably not going to stay for 27 stories. And so then I took this story away and that story away because there's some great stories. Jesus would stop at a wedding where they run out of wine and he'll turn water to wine. He would stop on the side of the road for someone like Bartimaeus. And he, Bartimaeus is shouting out, son of David, have mercy on me. But it's like this story's got to go and that story's got to go. And when I got down to about 17 or 18, I was like, I still got to take some more stories away. And so I want to share with you in our time together, I got down to 10. I got down to 10 stories. When we talk about everyone today, the first, the first story that I just want to start with is this table. This table with these chairs. This table with these chairs is a story in the Gospel of Matthew several times that would represent to me some of the most intense criticism that I think Jesus got. And, and this table, because he sat, sat at this table, a lot of people disagreed and critiqued. And they would say things in the gospel like this, 
Why does Jesus sit, sit, sit with sinners? Why does Jesus sit with sinners? I start with that reference and this story out of my 10 stories today because you and I could not even fathom the amount of people throughout history where the Holy Spirit has pulled up a seat to sit at these kind of tables. Where people who felt like they were so far gone for God, and maybe religion would have agreed, but the Savior pulled up a seat. And as we talk today about the Savior stops, the Savior stops, the places and the people that he would stop for, I wanted to start with a table like this. Because this table is not always going to make sense to everybody else. When I read those verses, it's proof that the people are like, why would he sit with him? Why would he take time for her? So we look at the Savior stops today and we talk about everyone this was a story that as I was looking at my two pages, my two pages of people, I didn't want to take this story out because this story, this story, it just looks like some sand and some stones, but this story is a story that doesn't, it doesn't just have assumption and presumption. You know, it's one thing, it's one thing if someone would say today, I think he's messing around. Or I think she went, or you know, I just have a gut feeling or an intuition that they're really, they're really behind the scenes, Pastor Micah. They're looking at, they're going. It's one thing when someone has an assumption. It's something totally different. When someone is caught, the King James Version says caught in the act. This woman is caught in the act of adultery. Now we don't gauge sin, we don't like number sin, this is an eight, that's a three. We would believe sin is sin, but this is a kind of sin that's very serious to a lot of people. Some people would say, this is the one, Pastor Mike, I could never get over. I could never forgive. I could never. Now, I don't know where you stand with this sin. I, I just want to tell you where they stood. And where they stood was they caught her in the act. They bring her to Jesus. And they don't just bring her. They each bring a stone. They have scripture, the law, that's going to come out of their mouth. They're going to say Moses and the law says she should be stoned. Not only do they have scripture, they have a stone that they're going to follow through as the price that she will pay, as the consequence for what she has done. And in this moment, as we talk about the Savior stops, the Bible said that Jesus, he, 
doesn't take a stone. He doesn't join in with the mass. He doesn't be like, well, popular opinion is, let's do away with her. Really, he was the only one without sin that could have picked up a rock. But in that moment, the Bible says he stoops down. He stoops down. He begins to write in the sand. We, we don't know exactly what he writes in the sand. The conversation with Christ is going to include everything from you without sin. He's going to ask her, where are your accusers? But what I want to draw your attention to today with the Savior stop is that sometimes people will say, Pastor Micah, when I get my act together, I'll come to Jesus. When I get my life together, but I think this stop of the Savior is really important for all of us because we see, before he ever gave her guidance, he said, go and sin no more. He wants a better life for you and for me. But before he ever gives her guidance, he gives her grace. He gives her grace. That maybe even today, if you were saying, Pastor Mike, I've got to get my life together before I do the God thing, I would submit to you that he wants to give you grace before he would give you guidance. Maybe today you're in a broken place. And I would just tell you on this Easter Sunday that he's willing to stoop down for you. When you look at some of the Savior stops, not only do we see a table, not only do we see sand and stones, but I just want to take some time to talk about toys. Toys. This represents to me when in the Gospel of Matthew, the Bible said that there was children, children. I have four kids that have miscarriage. Angel and I would say we have five kids, one's in heaven. But those of you that are parents or grandparents or guardians, you know how kids can be sometimes. Hello? I don't know what these kids are doing. I mean, I don't know if there's like terrible twos going on. I don't know if it's like if I've told you once, I've told you, come on, parents. I don't know, what, I don't know what's happening here in the Gospel of Matthew. But I know in this 19th chapter, whatever's going on, that those closest to Christ said, hey, these kids got to go. And Jesus stops them from pushing the kids away and he says suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not you know over the years of pastoring over the years of pastoring sometimes people will start saying things like that they maybe don't quote the gospel of matthew but i've had people that have told me pastor micah why do we put so much energy and effort into kids why, why, do, why do we put all these resources into students or internship or you know what they're going to do with that basketball hoop, right? You know that pool table, ping pong table, they're just going to bust it. They're going to love it today and a month later it's going to be in a dumpster. I've had people say those things. I've had several people over the years that have said things like this, you know they don't pay the bills, Right? Because I think all of us can almost develop a mindset that kids, not just that they could be a problem or a pain, 
But sometimes we think that spirituality or Jesus is just something for someone who's up in age. And I'm so grateful in this stop of the Savior, in this scripture, that he lets us know that there's a place. Even at a young age, I remember when I was five and I wanted to be baptized. When I talk about this family Bible, I wanted to be baptized when I was five. And my dad who's watching would tell you that he and others was thinking maybe he's not old enough. Maybe he doesn't grasp it. Maybe he doesn't understand. I love when I've heard my dad tell this version of the story about how we are having a family prayer. And he said that God told him, stop praying and listen to your son pray at the age of five. And he stops praying and he's listening to me pray. My dad tells the story that in that moment he felt like God said, why won't you baptize someone that I have a relationship with? And so my baptism picture, it's in the month of May. I'm in the Atlantic Ocean. The water's like up to my neck. My dad is like water up to his knees. And just this little kid, he's dunking under the water. I'm really thankful today that Storyside is a church, but ultimately God is someone who doesn't say, wait till they're 16, wait till they're 18, wait till they're 21. I'm glad that Jesus lets us know in this stop, in this scripture, that it's important for us to allow the children to have a relationship with God. As we look at the stops of the Savior, this boat, my wife's a six on the Enneagram, and when they lifted it just moments ago and put it on the edge of the stage, she's over there like feeling the pressure, getting the sweats, like what happens if this slides off, hits people in the shin, we don't have good insurance. I'm being serious. She was over here tapping my leg. I'm thinking, I got to go up to the stage. Like, I need to focus here. Like, But if we had time to talk today just about the boat, there's a lot of stories I can't get into. All of them, Cam. But, but this boat would represent a lot. It, it would represent one time he goes by a boat. Jesus does. He goes by a boat and the guys are cleaning their nets because they had fished and hadn't caught anything. And I, if you would, they failed. They weren't having any success. And Jesus tells them when he passes by, Matt, why don't you try again? Why don't you try again? I wanted this stop to be in my Easter story today because I'm glad that we don't always have to get it right the first time. It's great when it happens that way, but sometimes people don't always get it right the first time, and maybe you've needed the Savior to stop by and say, what about a second chance in your life? And I love the element of the boat story where he said, why, why don't you go out and cast your net on the other side? Or maybe it's the story in Scripture where a storm's going, and the winds, and the wave, and the weather, and here comes Jesus walking on the water. Remember that story? You see, it's not just the boat. It's just the symbolism of that boat of all of the times in my life where I have seen Paul, God, show up for people who were in a storm. I've seen storms before in funeral homes. I've been in courthouses. I've sat in people's living rooms and kitchens where people are crying and the family's under attack. And it's not like in that moment there was waves and wind hitting against us, but some of the words, some of the language, some of the tears, it was a storm. 
And I know maybe he didn't walk on water into that living room and kitchen, but I've watched over the years as he's walked into those rooms, was like, I'm here. Thank God for all of the times that the Savior has stopped in the middle of the storm. My final few minutes, this lantern, this light, this represents a man that scholars and studies would say was considered potentially one of the three richest people in the entire region. It's money, wealth, success. And this guy comes at midnight. Now there's a lot of different angles and perceptions of why he came at midnight. Some people say that he came at midnight because of his wealth and his busyness and it was the only time he could come, that that was the time he would study, maybe. Uh, other people would say that this man named Nicodemus came at night because he wanted to keep it on the down low. You know how when you have a lot of success and everyone knows you and you're like, I just don't know, Mike, if I want like my faith out everywhere to everyone. But, but this part of the story, and not even here to talk to you so much about his wealth or the time he came, it's in a simple way. I, I just, I want to reference, I want to reference just that he came with questions. With questions. He, he came and he's going to ask Jesus how. How is this happening? How would this, this born again stuff have you ever had a question before? You know, I've talked to people that's like, well, Genesis and well, creation and well, timelines. And Pastor Mike, I just have some questions. If, if there's really a God, how come? If there's really a God, why did this take place in my life? I've talked to people before and encouraged them to consider their spirituality or faith. And they'll start saying, well, this happened in my family and this happened in my business. And they have questions. I've also been told pretty much for my whole life that you should never question God. Micah, don't ever question God. His ways and thoughts are higher. You don't always understand. You've got to trust Him with all of your heart. And I agree with all of that. But I would be lying to you today if I didn't tell you that I've come to God before with questions. I love this story and I wanted it to be part of my sermon, my message today. Because if there was one person that needed to hear this part, I wanted to tell you that I don't think that Christ is turned off by your questions. He doesn't tell Nicodemus, get out of here. He doesn't tell him, hey, you just need to take it. He actually takes time to process his questions. My, my next stop in the message is here with some tombstones and chains. This is a unique story because this guy, this guy's all by himself. This guy has demons that most people, even by his name Legion, most people would tell you that he had a lot of demons, not just one or two or three, he had a lot of demons. This guy, they would try to chain him up. His name, Legion. They would try to chain him and he would break the chains. 
But not only is there chains in this story, the Bible says that there's a couple of things. He would cut himself. Yeah, I was talking to someone just the other day, a young girl, a teenage girl, t- talking to me, the family talking to me about cutting. You know, th- th- this guy has the enemy doing everything he can, demons, to try to take him out. He's cutting himself, but not only is he cutting himself, he's crying. He's crying. Now, I know people will say, Micah, men don't cry, but this guy did. This guy was crying. I've spent time in the last couple of years when I was in Israel, and it's amazing, even when you're around the water and the way the mountains and the hills are, you, you can hear people from so far away. You hear noises and sounds. There, there, there's something about this story that when I'm even looking at everyone, 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 I'm drawn to this story because this guy's over here. It's almost like people gave up on him. The cutting, the crying, the cemetery, the chains. Seems like he's by himself. Now we know in the Bible that later on Jesus is going to tell him to go home. So evidently there's a house, a home, a family, a friend, a community, a city, there's something. Have you ever met someone where where even those closest, even those closest to them gave up on them? It would seem like that's what's happening with this guy. And Jesus is on this side of the water with the crowd, with the mass, with the multitude. And Jesus says to his closest followers, we need to go over there. Now I know the crowd's here and I know it's cranking and I know, but but I want to go over there. You say, Micah, why, why in your stops do you want to tell me about a guy who's cutting himself in a cemetery? I simply want to tell you this story because we have an amazing God that when it seems like the whole world walks out, he'll walk in. That we have a Savior who doesn't just stop for the guy who's top three wealthiest, he, he doesn't just stop for the guy in the boat that's going to preach Pentecost. He'll stop for this guy over here that seems like he's so far gone that we can't even chain him up. When Jesus leaves this stop, he's clothed and he's in his right mind. My final couple of stops is a stop where Jesus tells a woman who's really busy, I've been busy before. They say, Pastor Micah, do you pray like every day for hours? Do you fast all the time? Do you read your Bible? You know, sometimes even as a pastor, I get busy. I get busy. I've met people before who's like, Pastor Micah, I'm too busy to come to church. I'm too busy to pray with my family. If you knew my life, the lake and the boat and sports and work and jobs and overtime and it's easy to get busy now today as i wrap up my message i 
I didn't want to just tell you about the sand and the stone. I didn't want to just tell you about the guy in the cemetery. I also wanted to tell you about this stop because I think this stop is important too. It's not just sin that besets us. That's what the Bible tells us in Hebrews. It's not just sin. Sometimes it's the weights of life. And Jesus stops by for this woman in Luke chapter 10. Her name's Martha. The King James Version, he's going to use the word cumbered. Cumbered. It's a unique word, cumbered. Other translations are going to use words like anxious and fret and you're on overload. And he's going to tell her, in this busyness and everything you got going on, he said, your sister Mary, who's worshiping, who's spending time with God, he's going to tell Martha, tells Martha, your sister has chose the good thing or the right thing. In other words, if there's a good thing and a right thing, then there's also a wrong thing. I would never ask for a show of hands. I'll just speak for myself. But I think the reality is that sometimes we can get so busy that we don't spend enough time with God. And I'm grateful for a God that will stop even in moments like this and say, Micah, I want you to refocus. A God that will stop for you and remind you of the people and the things that matter most in your life. As we get ready to close, my final couple of stories. The final stories is, is this woman. This is a woman, this is a woman who's at a well in Samaria. Now, there's so much to this story that I'll just give you a couple of snippets. Number one, no one goes to Samaria. If you study Samaria, they're going to tell you most people wouldn't go within one mile of the border. Samaritans were the lowest of the low. They didn't want even the dust of the dirt to get on them from a Samaritan. This woman at the well is actually going to say it to Jesus. Why are you even here? You guys have no dealings, no dealings with the Samaritans. We don't have to guess about that. She is saying it in the scripture. But it's not just that it's Samaria. It's the timing. This woman is coming to the well at a time of day when it would be so scorching hot. Why would this woman come to the well to get water when it's so hot? Or is it not even really anything about the time of day or the heat as much as it is that she knows no one else is going to be there. You know, I had a guy, a medical professional, I had a guy tell me, he said, Pastor Micah, when I went through my divorce, it was so ugly. It was so ugly. So many emotions. He said, even just the shame that come with it. He said, when I would go out and go around town, because people knew me, he told me, he here, he said, I would pull a hoodie over my head. You know how you can tug down, pull the hoodie? Because I didn't want anyone to see me. 
told me about how he went to the movie theater and just wanted to get out and go to a movie but kept his hoodie up and tugged down just so no one could see. I remember a lady telling me here, Pastor Mike, I've been married three times, but I don't want anyone at church to know. I've had this happen numerous times. I remember a lady in my office, tears streaming down her face, said, Pastor Micah, I've never told anybody about my abortion. And she told me, I want to get too emotional with it, because when I sat in the office and she told me, she said, I would give anything to go back in that moment where I'm on the table, I can feel the table. She said, it felt so cold to me. She said, I felt like they were out of the room forever. She said, in that 45 minutes, I kept telling myself, get off the table, get off the table, get off the table. She sat in my office, tears streaming down her face. I can see her. I can see her face right now. She said, I've never told anyone, Pastor Micah. Never told anyone about what I've done. When I start thinking about people and shame, I can hear voices in my head of people who have told me, Pastor Micah, my anger, Pastor Micah, my addiction, Pastor Micah, I had an affair, Pastor Micah. When I start thinking about stories I've heard over the years, then it makes so much sense why this woman who's not on number one with a hoodie over her head, she's not on number three saying, please don't tell the church. She's not sitting in an office with tears streaming down her cheeks saying, I should have, I wish I would have. I, this woman's on number six. You want to talk about shame when you mess up a second time and a third time and a fourth time and a fifth time and Jesus said, the one you're with right now, you didn't even commit to him. I think this woman would put up no matter how hot it was. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. I don't want to see anyone. I don't need the stares and the glares. And when she gets there, there's a guy at the well named Jesus. What are you doing here? Why? Why are you here? And the story started in the gospel with Jesus saying, I must needs. I must needs go through Samaria. There's a woman who's on number six, and I need to tell her that I've got water, that if she would drink it, she would never thirst again. Thank God for a Savior who's willing to stop even when we're trying to hide or run or to get away. And he's like, here I am. As we get ready to pray today, this tree for me would just represent a man by the name of, of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbs a tree because he wants to see Jesus. He, he's short, his stature, he's short, and the Bible says, that Zacchaeus said, you know, if I could just climb this tree, if I could get up, maybe I could see Jesus. When what Zacchaeus realized that day is it's not so much about whether or not he can see Jesus. But what's amazing is that Jesus is going to see him. Him. And so today... That's my 10 stories. That's my 10 stories. 
there's a lot of great stories I didn't tell you about. The good news is that we have a Savior who's willing to stop. Stop. And as, as we get ready to pray today, here's what I would love for you to do right now. I would love for you to think about the times in your life that he stopped for you. He stopped for you. You remember some times, Tammy, he stopped for you? The ups and downs of life. I, I probably have 50 messages from you. <laughs> Pastor Micah, the doctor. Pastor Micah, the test, the checkups. Pastor Micah, they said. Pastor Micah, can we pray? You have a special place. You have a special place in my heart. Think about all the times he stopped for you. What about you, Sean? Can you think of times he stopped for you? Is that you right there, Tom? This, right, where's Tom at? Hey, here. Can you think of some times he stopped for you, Tom? think of sometimes he stopped for you just before you go back and get in your car before you get back in your truck or your van I just want you to take some time to think about the times he stopped for you I love you Cam I text back and forth with Cam Todd sometime praying for him in school think about in your life Cam the times he stopped for you that's what I want you to do right now I just want you to remember Crystal how many days were you in the hospital Pardon? 73 days. Your story's unbelievable to me because if I understood it correctly, there was sometimes people's like, we don't even know what to do anymore, right? We don't even know what to do anymore. But in that moment, here come the Savior. You remember what room you were in? 2011, that's the room. I just want you to think about it. And they're like, you know what? We, we don't know what else to do. And here comes the Savior to make a stop in room 2011. I want you to think about it in your life. I don't want to embarrass you, Holly, but, but I see the success now, marriage, family, business. Nick, I'm so proud of you. I remember driving across Lex Spring Mill years ago with you and you telling me, Pastor Micah, this and your life and ups and downs. And now the house, the business, the family, the kids, you're posting pictures. But if we backed up long before all of the blessings in your life right now, there was a time, there was a time where the Savior said, I need to make a stop. I need to make a stop. Her name's Holly. This is going on. This has happened. This is, and I must needs. It wasn't Samaria, but he's like, I've got to make a stop. I love you, Kennedy. I'm probably way out of time. But when I walk around the room, I just it was brain surgery you had, right? Was it brain surgery? How many surgeries have you had? Two surgeries. Aren't you glad he stopped? When I walk around the room, I could just see so many people. And I just want you to thank them before the stage shows come up and we leave. I'm grateful for all of these stories on the stage, but I'm really thankful for all of the stories in the seats today. 
where I'm like, he stopped for you, he stopped for you. Dan, aren't you thankful he stopped for you? I had a guy text me right before I went to the stage. This guy was so messed up on drugs, so jacked up on drugs. He was at the nine o'clock service and he texted me, he's like, Pastor Micah, today I've been clean for seven years, five months, and I just wanted to text you and say, I'm glad that God stopped for me. There's so many people in this room today. Aaron, I'm so glad that we have a Savior who's willing to stop. I've seen him stop for marriages. I've seen him stop for families. I've seen him stop for people who felt like they were at the lowest of the low. Would you just tell him right now, Joe, I'm glad he stopped for you and your family. Just all over the room right now, would you just close your eyes? And would you just tell him thank you? Just thank you. On Easter 2021, thank you for stopping for me. Do you just say it to him today? Thank you. Thank you. If you can think of a time he stopped for you, maybe a few times, but but if you can think of a time that he stopped for you or your family, or would you just raise a hand right now? I don't see anyone looking around, but just as a way of telling him thank you. Like, God, I can think of the situation right now. I can think of the moment. I can think of where I was. And I just want to tell you thank you. Thank you. Romans tells us that we can't get away from the love of God. There's nothing high, low, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And maybe right now you need God to stop for you. Not only are we thanking him for stopping, but maybe there's someone who says, God, I need him to stop for me right now. My sin, my shame, my struggle, I need God to stop for me today. Is there anyone right now that would be bold enough to say, Pastor Micah, would you pray for me? I need God to stop for me. Would you just raise a hand if you would like prayer today? I want to pray for you right now. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. But hands are going up all over the room. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Right back here. Thank you. God, I pray right now that the love of God would go to work on site and online. God, people that are raising their hands, saying, God, would you stop for me today? Would you save me today, God? Lord, I thank you for being a God that is willing to stop, that is willing to save that everyone, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. God, there's some people already in the room standing that's just saying, God, touch me. God, save me. God, today, I thank you for what you're doing right now. And I pray these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Story side, are you thankful for the love of God? Are you thankful for the love of God today? Sing it out to Him. Sing it out to Him today.